0: Let's start with the rapid-fire round. The first question is, at what age do you want to retire? 72. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? 20 minutes. Most embarrassing moment of your life? I can't remember. Favourite colour? Blue. What time of day are you most inspired? Uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Six. Fill in the blank, an upcoming technology trend is... Biopolymers. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. Uh, Madagascar. Pick one, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. The biggest mistake of your career. I got you. How do you relax? Or cycling. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Four. A habit of yours that you hate. Oof, it's a tough one. Um, I think scratching my head. The most valuable skill you've learned in life. You know, patience. Your favorite Netflix show. Uh, Arsène Lupin. Morning routine. Are you an early riser or a night owl? I'm a nerdy riser. One word description of your leadership style. Open. Top priority in your daily schedule. Reading the newspapers. Ideal vacation spot. Italy. Key factor for maintaining a work-life balance. Taking time to read Memorable career milestone. My PhD. A recent business innovation that caught your attention? I like this. Well, the, the, everything you can pay with your phone. Mm. Uh, the last song you've been listening to? There was a Fado song by Carlos Acarvo. And the last movie that you liked? Uh,
1: Past Lights.
0: Mm. Oh, wait. Well, that's the end of the rapid fire round. So let's go on to the long questions, which you can answer with as much ease and time as you like. Uh, can you share more about your journey from earning a PhD in economic geography to your role as the president of the board of the European Innovation Council? Well, the journey
1: you describe is a journey from PhD to president of the European Innovation Council is a journey of 31 years. So it's quite a long one. Uh, and of course, when I started it 31 years ago, I had no idea that it would end here. Um, however, a, um, a thread in my career starting earlier, so halfway in my university studies, I've always been interested in innovation and I've always been interested, interested in innovation in manufacturing. So I like, I like factories, I like places where things are made, and I like the way uh, innovation happens in factories. So I worked, also a PhD for an industry association. Then I set up uh, a technology division within the association, which I privatized in 2000 and setting up my own company, managing, applying for, uh, managing European projects. So I built a lot of consults uh, applied for a lot of funding, uh, was successful one third of the times, and not successful two thirds of the times. Um, and I also became a regional minister. That was an important step to the current position, because there I learned how to design policies, how to manage policies, how to, how to explain them to, to, to citizens, voters, entrepreneurs, and that was a good, a very good training school. And afterwards, what also helped me is to evaluate proposals a lot. So over the last four years, before becoming president, I evaluated something kind of like 50 proposals. So. Basically, I've learned all the elements that are required from a credit function key. in my CV over the last uh, I don't know, 30 years and always
0: in the European context. So when you look back at it, what specific experience influenced your move from academia to a position of leadership in innovation?
1: Um, I'm, from, I'm from an entrepreneurial family. My my father was a CEO, my grandfathers were a CEO, so... I'm used to be surrounded by people who are trained to make decisions, um, and I think I was a bit an awkward academic because I was more interested in knowing things for deciding, but not knowing things for knowing things for for knowledge's sake. So I've always had a kind of let's say CEO mentality. I'm the oldest kid, grandchildren and so on. So I have to manage my my cousins and and and, and, and nieces as well. Um, so so that. That was an important one, but what really was decisive was uh, to be chairman of a program committee, so writing an election manifesto for my party, end of 90s. And um, I really chose to candidate for the regional parliament because I wanted to use the capital of the province much better. Uh, we had 4.4 billion euros in the bank as a region, and in the middle of the financial crisis of 2008 to 2012, uh, my manifesto was to invest that money in startups, and that was really what led to to
0: this position. So, what do you think the state of the Dutch startup scene is now?
1: Well, the Dutch is a, is a rather vibrant one, and that's also something we see in our instruments, the Pathfinder and the Accelerator of the ESC. And so, so, they score mm. second, third position in Europe, which for a small country is quite good. And that is because. Um, with a lot of people, I'm one of them, but there are at least 25 people more that have been working on it. Already building a regional and a national ecosystem. Prince wolfson there has been very important on the national level. Uh, Rinka Zonneveld, with and the, the very successful CEO of InvestML. So we have a we have a comprehensive system um, from universities that 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 promote offs and startups uh, up to let's say funding instruments that, that help doing that. So it's very vibrant but uh, it is only vibrant because it is also connected to Europe. So the, the success key, key for any region in Europe is to have a strong ecosystem in the region and to connect across Europe.
0: And in what way is the European Innovation Council facilitating that?
1: Well, it's a, it's a huge innovation. It's a, it's an in- instrument designed by uh, the past commissioner, Carlos Moeders, who now is mayor of Lisbon, And he really had a vision that we had to transfer innovation to deployment or innovation to real entrepreneurship. So he modified a number of instruments to create the logic of the Pathfinder transition and accelerator, basically, to create a range of instruments in the innovation journey that brings them from the lab to market deployment to industrialization. Uh, And that's where by now we will announce the figures tomorrow, on the 15th of November. Uh, By now, it is becoming one of the largest deep tech funds in in the world. Uh, That was needed because we needed to incentivize private capital to step in. They were not stepping in on their own. We have now an instrument where basically invites VCs, private equity, family funds to to join our mission.
0: So what does your typical day at the EIC look like?
1: Well, a real typical day is a day that I go out of Brussels, that I go to a member states, a country, uh, and I spend normally an afternoon, an afternoon with, um, with beneficiaries and applicants that are disappointed, so they were not selected to understand their journey. So wh- why were they successful in applying? What did we encounter after having applied? Um, and I also spoke to those who are disappointed to see how they can learn from that. This is what my typical visit is of
0: of an afternoon, and then the morning after visit, some minutes. Is there an interesting story you have to tell about one of the people who had not selected a program that was not selected for funding, or is that confidential?
1: Well, that's confidential, but typically you see is that you have, let's say those who are not funded are either those who are too far already, so they have already managed all the technological risks, and they only need funding for the market uh, deployment. And that's basically something we don't fund. We fund earlier when there's still three or four, or five, six, seven years ahead of technological development, clinical tests, for example, scaling up to have a pilot facility. And um, So one is basically they are too far. Um, and also very important is we have a, uh, a moving definition of what deep tech is. So it's not something that is in fixed for 10 years, but, but basically with technology developing, sometimes technology becomes general generalized uh, for example apps for payments is no longer in a, 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 a automatic innovation by now so that is, that's what we, what we don't fund either um what is really sorry and that this is a warning uh, in the end of the accelerator application you have an interview um, and what is sorry to see is that some applicants don't train for hours you have to train it for hours uh, ask people to to test you with a market interview with, with questions, with standard questions, because that's, if you don't trade that well, you have only one, one half an hour to, to defend your project. If you lose that because you're not well trained, that's a pity to spend the time on that,
0: at least two days. So could you share an example uh, of a specific project that embodies the core mission of the European Innovation Council?
1: Um, a project that I like a lot is a company called FiberTech in Warsaw. And it's interesting because they are in Warsaw, so it's not, let's say, in the usual suspect city. Uh, And what they make is they make from plant rests. They make fibrous, they extract fibrous matter. And from the fibrous matter, they can make a whole range of products. They have now a wonderful small pilot factory in the east of Warsaw. uh, And they really have the mindset, the entrepreneurship to scale up. So I hope to visit them in five years and see a, uh, a factory somewhere in the east of Poland in the countryside. Where you have a lot of agriculture, that's what we do. What we really like to do, because we have to be fossil-free in materials in 2050. So we not need technologies like FiberTech to
0: get there. So, in this dedication that you have for scaling up innovation, what challenges do you foresee, and how do you plan to address them? Well, the, the big
1: challenges that you have, if if you really want to scale up as a startup, you have a big capital expenditure ahead of you and a big capex. So The biggest challenge now is that we have money to invest into companies up to 17.5 million euros, but some investments are much larger than needed, so we hope to develop in the future, either in the STEP plan or in FP10, so after 2027, a follow-up investment fund, so that we can also offer large tickets for companies that really have to industrialize. That's an important barrier, The second one, of course, you need to get market acceptance. If you you come with new technologies, whether they're in health, in materials, in energy, in mobility, uh, you need to get traction from the markets. So it's very important for us to connect our startups to corporates that have a critical mass to develop technologies and also to be more active in promoting innovative public procurement. So governments can also be a lead client for new technology, and they should be lead clients for technology.
0: So could you share an example where overcoming a specific challenge uh, led to a success in scaling up innovation?
1: Uh, A good example is a company in France that has developed a technique with biopolymers again to replace uh, breasts after a breast cancer operation. We should imagine that a lot of women get breast cancer before they're 15, so still in a very active stage of life, and recovering from cancer is an important challenge, and I think also a public mission to help them, and they've they've developed a breast implant made of biopolymers, and um, the first challenge they had to meet, of course, is to to develop the product in the way that it works, and now they're in the clinical test stage to test it on women that are courageous um, and have the trust to try that technology. What is interesting as well as what they did is not only they're developing this breast breast implant technology, which is very meaningful. They also have a derivative with the same materials to heal very deep wounds. So think of people with deep cuts or uh, damages from guns or or grenades in a war situation. So to repair the, the body tissue, let's say underneath the skin, uh, so, what is clever with them, they have found, let's say, the army as a client, uh, but have, let's say a short-term success, uh, the wound management process, and they have a long-term success ahead of them in the breast implants. So, it's a, an interesting and clever combination of uh, technologies, societal needs, and and,
0: and um, well, or having a good life. So, speaking of short-term and long-term, how do you balance short-term impact and long-term, say, sustainability? in prioritizing goals and initiatives?
1: Oh, as, a, as an EIC or as a European Union, we are only for long-term, because speed is not our, our greatest strength. Uh, sustainability is, and also endurance is. And so we have funding programs that last for seven years. So we are, we are patient, we are thorough, and we also offer patient and thorough capital. So we're really in the long-term. So I'm, I'm mainly looking at the societal impact we achieve and we have days of celebration because we sometimes have unicorns, but that's a side effect. Right? we do it for
0: improving the quality of life in Europe. So in your various roles, you've been involved in public affairs, coaching startups, and chairing commissions. How do you balance these responsibilities? And how does each role contribute to your overall mission?
1: Well, I now have only one mission and one line in my CV. I'm president of European Innovation Council's board. Uh, and I don't have other activities. So all my experience of coaching, being an entrepreneur, being an academic, being a politician comes in this single function. Um, and they all have helped me to shape who I am. So I, I know what it is to apply for funding because I've written more than 50 applications. I know how it is to be disappointed. I, I know how it is to be happy to have funding and to set up a project. I know how to run it. Um, so, and I also know how to develop policies and to and to evaluate. So. Um, the the nice thing about my job is I I know how how all the bricks the bricks of the wall work do you
0: ever miss academia
1: yes so I'm going to write a book when I finish the job when would that be Uh, I hope in 1960 I hope that that will be in
0: 2027 or in 2031 okay so, let's talk about a bit about sustainability. Now, with a focus on a sustainable planet, how does the European Innovation Council approach innovations contributing to environmental sustainability?
1: Well, we have a mission of funding uh, startups and projects that contribute to what we call the EU, the, the Green Deal. And the Green Deal is a, a range of programs and ambitions focusing on green energy, green materials, green agriculture, So we have a sizable portfolio uh, of of companies in those three areas. Uh, And what we also do is that we create communities around them. So we have program managers and program managers bring together all the beneficiaries to create a community. And we also connect those to larger corporations, to these corporation days, uh, the corporate days where companies can submit challenges and our beneficiaries have solutions for them. So that's the second instrument, and the third instrument, of course, is to is to show through these companies what technology and what innovation can do, and what our new generation of entrepreneurs uh, create. Let's say a new generation
0: of companies that have those changes in their heart and in their mind. Do you have any opinion about the backlash green tech is facing from European politics in some countries? Well, in many
1: countries, there's a backlash, Um, and I'm afraid uh, that the majority of of people are not yet sensitive to the challenges, so they will vote for parties that are slowing down, postponing, uh, sometimes even ignoring or even rejecting that there is an issue. That's a pity. Um, However, on the other side, instruments often have a long-term or more long-term Uh, lifetime so we go on but it's not an easy context to work in
0: what's this especially not for the startups themselves so what specific criteria does the council evaluate when supporting innovations aligned with environmental sustainability
1: Uh, impact is an important one what is the potential impact and impact is is on the technology itself but also is the team able to deliver and so are the skills on board uh, commercial, technological, financial, organisational. Is a team diverse? All well, those are important elements to, that we look at. So we really have a kind of SDGs as, a, as an overall um, set of criteria to, to evaluate proposals.
0: So do you think there's a lack of awareness amongst the general population about where innovation is headed? It's going to take too much time. It's going to cost too much money. Is that why there's a backlash against it? Okay. Uh, well, the backlash is more against technologies that are already there
1: windmills solar panels in in, in the landscape uh, electric cars you know they're around now for some years and it's very polarized there is a group of people who are very enthusiastic about it and there's a group who is who is against mainly because they're they're afraid of the side effects or of the costs of it it's, uh, new technologies are always expensive in the beginning and once more people use them, they get they get cheaper. Now solar panels on the roof nowadays is the is the price of a family a family holiday. Uh, that's affordable for many now. Um, but it's kind of a, of opposition to it. Um, but on the other hand, the figures are going up. So more and more people put solar panels on their roof. People are reducing their meats their meat consumption. People are more careful planning uh flights or long-term, long term long long term journeys. So I think there is a general change in behavior on one side, but a voting behavior could be different.
0: So does the EIC plan to address this in some way with creating awareness or some marketing or PR around it?
1: Well, we are part of the European Commission as a whole. So uh, that, uh, the promotion of the objectives of the Commission of the European Union uh, are well catered for by, uh, by the, the Commission in general. Our work is really just to show that startups can deliver Uh, and that we can help those startups to deliver
0: Okay, so let's pivot a little and maybe you can talk about now how innovators can make their proposals stand out in the competitive landscape of innovation funding.
1: Well, let's go to the technique first. So it's really a three-step approach. First, it is to submit a pitch and a relatively short PowerPoint uh, and a video. And the main objective there is to seduce. So, basically, to show evaluate that, you have, that there is a compelling case uh, in terms of technology and in terms of the impact. I think the technology and the impact are at core in this first stage. If you succeed the first stage, well, which is not the majority of, of submitters, then you are invited to write a full proposal. And the full proposal is is rather 50 to 100 pages. And this, the key element in the, in, the, in the proposal there is, again, to confirm your impact and your technology with a number of key data, demonstrate that you have a patent, demonstrate that you know what the market is possibly asking where you will find the market. But the most essential in the proposal is the quality of the business plan. And so that you have a a good prediction of of your expenditures, of your revenues that you expect and of your capital requirements. So the business plan is essential. And also, of course, the team you do that with that's the second stage. So it's a very thorough stage for which I always recommend people to take your time, have other people reading it, uh, submit to critical review of people that you know. Um, so that's very, a very important stage because that's the most critical in terms of success rate. And if if you're successful, then you go to the interview. An interview is ready for the int, for the experts to, to feel that the team stands. Uh, so well, the team should be well-prepared. As I said, it should train that interview. Uh, it should show that the team knows what the others in the team say. Um, and that's basically to, 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 to convince by creating trust. So it's seduction, conviction, and trust. Those three elements are essential in writing in the proposal.
0: So what advice would you give regarding balancing groundbreaking ideas with the council's strategic priorities?
1: Well, it's very simple. Uh, if they're not, if a proposal is not within the strategic priorities, it wouldn't be funded. Uh, so that is not something to take light. So read those texts very carefully. And those texts are essential. Whether it, you apply in an open program or a challenge, you should adhere very closely to it. Um, and then, of course, the second is that you understand your technological field. Uh, so we fund deep tech startups. So often people have been working since their master's thesis in the area. So to have master's thesis, PhD, some postdoc or experience in company, they often have five to 10 years working experience in the area, they know their fields. So you should know your field. You should know what you bring, what the competitors have brought or are bringing, and how you distinguish yourself from them. And in the same time, it helps also to be connected to them and not be on your own, but to be part of an ecosystem. So think all those things well through, we see too many, applicants who apply too early, so they haven't worked well their ecosystem and they should have worked a year or two years longer, have a better uh, contact with possible clients and possible suppliers. So patience and endurance
0: is important. So looking ahead then, what trends do you foresee in innovation and how is the EIC preparing for them?
1: Well, the the big buzz is AI, artificial intelligence, and um, that's rather new in the debate. Uh, I'm sometimes a bit cynical that AI is basically advanced statistics so I heard at university 40 years ago but not with the same Ict power that we have now uh, the um, ability to 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 analyze huge amounts of data is new and what is interesting is that AI on its own with AI to understand uh, manufacturing processes to to impo- to, to we step improve the productivity of manufacturing in, uh, processes both at terms of what does the client need and be uh, customizing as much as possible and not making stuff no one wants. Yeah. Uh, but also in the process itself uh, to use in the most efficient way resources to get a, to get a certain product or process made. Um, that's important and also what is important is to speed up or improve, improve processes and uh, to improve understanding. For example, there is a recent beneficiary. They use AI to analyze uh, all kind of radiographic or other imaging of the lungs to speed up an operation of 11. So now it takes 15 minutes with a team of four to analyze the results of the AI to determine a scenario for an operation. Whereas before it would have been a two hours meeting with eight people to decide that. Um, so in health, it's very important to improve the quality of interventions, but also the efficiency of interventions and the AI can give a huge contribution to that. And the last one, which that's really my dream is where you have that same, let's say, natural behavior. And natural behavior can best be uh, characterized with quantum computing. So imagine the understanding better how pharmaceuticals work in bodies or how polymers are generated. You need a combination of quantum computing for, let's say, the mass calculation possibility. AI as a a software um, bone backbone, and then apply it to materials or to chemistry body. If we can combine those three, we really have a wonderful crossover that can do a lot for sustainability.
0: Right, so the last question for you is of a personal kind. What would you be doing in your life if not this? Um,
1: if I was not doing this, I was doing what I was
0: doing until April, uh, mainly uh,
1: evaluating proposals and chairing me- chairing boards. I was chairman of the vocational training board at Danone's. Uh, so to evaluating and, and setting up uh, evaluation systems to put to innovative to proposals. I think that would have been the main one and what I also like uh, is I like to train people to propo- to submit good proposals. So that's uh, what I would do with not this and um, I think I will do that after uh, stopping with this challenge in four or eight years. You know.